I really miss you guys, which is strange to say because I email and I talk on the phone with various St. John's folks a million times a day, and these virtual connections are real, and they matter, and they give me life. But when we have a Zoom call and I can see your faces, every time I feel this wave of longing to be able to see each other in person, to be able to gather here in this church, in this space where for generations people have prayed, grieved, rejoiced, baptized their babies, shared their hopes and fears, and sought comfort and peace in times of trouble. I had this fantasy early on before it became clear how serious this pandemic would be that maybe on Easter Sunday we would all be back here together for the first time. And everyone would sit in their usual pew and the flowers would look spectacular and they would smell great and the choir would sing and there'd be that feeling of joy and excitement in the air and then everything would go back to normal. We could all life to life as it was six weeks ago. I could go back to the list of goals for spring that I carefully wrote out and put on my office wall. And then, very, very slowly, it dawned on me that coming back together for Easter would not be safe. It would be comforting for a few weeks, but then infection rates would skyrocket and we'd be back where we started, sheltering in place again. And then, even more slowly, something else occurred to me. There might not be a day when things go back to normal. I don't mean that we'll never be able to gather at church again, or that school won't begin again in the fall, or that businesses won't reopen. These things will happen, and I pray each day for wisdom for those charged with making the decisions about how and when. We will gather again to worship God in this building. But I wonder, when we do that, will it really be a return to normal? A return to how things were? Will we be able to settle smoothly back into our old lives? Or will we be changed? I think the Easter story offers us some deep wisdom in facing those questions. In our gospel reading this morning, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body, only to find that the stone has been rolled away and the body has disappeared. She assumes that it's been stolen, and after the other disciples have gone home, she remains at the tomb weeping at this final indignity. Two angels in white ask her why she's crying, and she says, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. She turns away in grief, and she sees a man standing there. Now Mary Magdalene had been Jesus' disciple and friend. She traveled with him throughout his, early, his earthly ministry. She stood at the foot of the cross and wept while he died. She knew what Jesus looked like but she didn't recognize him. In fact, she assumed that he was the gardener. She didn't recognize him at all until he said her name and her blindness was lifted. It's the same in the other stories of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. His disciples, the people who lived with him 
day in and day out for years do not recognize him when they see him after the resurrection. Jesus stands on the beach and calls out to Peter, who's fishing, and Peter doesn't recognize him. In the Gospel of Luke, two of Jesus' disciples are joined by a stranger as they walk on the road, and they talk for a long time. They tell him about their teacher and how he's been crucified, and it's only when the stranger breaks bread that their eyes are opened and they recognize Jesus. The presence of this recurring theme of the disciples not being able to recognize the resurrected Jesus isn't an accident. The writers of the Gospels want us to know that there is a difference between Jesus before and after the resurrection. And that is because there is a difference between resurrection and resuscitation. Jesus resuscitates Lazarus. Lazarus' lifeless body comes back to life. He begins to breathe again, and he's restored to his family just as he was before. When Jesus touches the corpse of a little girl who has died, she is resuscitated, able to go back to the life that she had before. But Jesus is not resuscitated. Jesus is resurrected. To be resuscitated is to be brought back to life, to go back to what you were before. But to be resurrected is a different thing. To be resurrected isn't to go back to an old life, it's to begin a new one. The resurrected Jesus has been raised to new life, to life that will never end, to life that is transformed. That's why he's unrecognizable to these people that knew him so well. Because the resurrected life that Jesus lives, the resurrected Jesus, is living a whole new way of being. And wherever he is and wherever he goes, new life happens. He, sees, he says Mary's name and her vision is awakened. He calls to Peter in the fishing boat and instantly Peter's nets are overflowing with fish. He invites doubting Thomas to touch him and Thomas's doubts melt away. Wherever this resurrected Jesus goes, there is new life. The last are first, the sick are healed, fear is defeated by love. Wherever the resurrected Jesus goes, there is new life. And Jesus is clear that this resurrected life, this new life, is offered to us too through his victory over death. We only have to accept it. And so I believe there's a choice before us as individuals and as a community today. Do we want to be resuscitated or do we want to be resurrected? When all of this is over, and it will be one day, it will end, do we want to go back to who we were before? Or do we want to let God use this situation to change us? Sometimes the only kind of good news that I can picture is the good news of ret returning to what is old and familiar. But resurrection is a different kind of good news. It's the good news of new life, a chance to step into a new reality. We can, if we're willing to follow Jesus' invitation, allow this situation to change us and to move us into new life, into resurrection life. We will be changed by what we have lost. 
the people who've died, the businesses that have closed, the missed graduations, weddings, funerals. It will be changed by the deep and worrying problems that coronavirus has revealed in our society. The inequalities, the economic fragility, our dependence on underpaid but essential workers. We will be changed by a new intimacy with God that we've discovered in loneliness and in quiet. Changed by the realization that some of the stuff that we thought was essential turned out to be not quite so important. We can choose resuscitation. We can do our best to go back to normal, back to the way things were before, or we can choose resurrection. As many of you know, I am from the great city of Houston, Texas. As anyone who's been there is aware, especially in August, it is the perfect city. However, in 2017, Hurricane Harvey hit, causing terrible flooding, all kinds of devastation. It's tied with Katrina as the most economically devastating hurricane on record. Over 100 people died. I remember being on the phone with my sister as she watched water come in under her door and creep towards the couch where she and her children were sitting. The whole thing was terrifying. Entire neighborhoods were wiped out. The whole downtown was underwater. But the crazy thing is, if you go to Houston now, with just, as, just a few exceptions, you would not be able to tell just 18 months, two years later, that a hurricane hit the city. With astonishing speed, the people of Houston rebuilt their city. I am just in awe of how strong and determined and practical the people of my hometown are. But here's the problem. They were so eager to return to normal, to show that the hurricane hadn't defeated them, that they rebuilt the city exactly as it was before. None of the problems that made the city so vulnerable to flooding have been fixed. The poor neighborhoods are still built right on the, flood, on the flood plains. Drainage is still terrible. Downtown and the medical center are still on the bios with no protection. Now everybody just doesn't have insurance. The whole thing could happen again tomorrow. In moments of crisis, we want to resuscitate. We want to go back to the way things were. But we have to choose resurrection. We have to follow Jesus into new life, even when it isn't easy or comfortable. Maybe there's some old fears and anxieties that you don't want to carry with you forward into new post-coronavirus life. Maybe God has rearranged your priorities over the past few weeks, and you want to carry forward that new, transformed set of commitments. Maybe this profound encounter with fear and uncertainty that we've all gone through will give us a deeper compassion for those who are suffering, those who are sick, those who can barely make ends meet. Maybe we'll be invited in this new resurrection life to a creative response to these problems. Maybe instead of being resuscitated, we can be resurrected. We can follow Jesus into that new, unpredictable resurrection life. Resurrection life that's full of hope, life that is committed to putting others first, life that overflows with faith and joy.
Maybe we, as the people of St. John's, could follow Jesus in building a world that better reflects the values of the gospel. Values like unconditional love, service, forbearance, kindness. It's going to take a lot of energy, a lot of prayer, a lot of openness to the Holy Spirit to build something new instead of going back to normal. It's going to take a lot of work to resist the pull of going back to the way things were and instead step into resurrection life. But I believe we can do it. When we regather again in this building, in this place, and I'm so excited and so ready for that day, we will not be the same people who worshipped here on March 8th, the last Sunday we were here in person. Coronavirus has caused devastating loss, but it has also given us a chance to build something new in the place of what has fallen away. Let's choose resurrection. Let's choose new life. Let's choose it together.